0: This is the Dave and Shecky Show. We got this groovy podcast for ya. Reviewing crazy tunes or quoting Twain and Sting and Doom. We'll bring ideas to share like bonus points for extra flair cause it's the freaking Dave and Shecky Show. Show we're bringing you this groovy review. We might preview movies, bake some bread, or drink some smoothies. So come on, have way too much cafe You roll up some rivers. I'll reference some raffy. This is the Dave and Checky Show.
1: Fagala. Okay, you can't. You, no, you can't start the show with a with a word like that.
0: What? It's a gay gondola. Uh huh. You want to take the chairlift or get in the fagula?
1: Okay.
0: I like to take the fagula because we can smoke weed in it.
1: Okay. And what? How do you know it's a gay gondola?
0: Well, it's a gondola. Uh-huh. They're just gay in general. Oh,
1: by nature, they yes. are gay. I see. It's
0: sort of redundant. It's like good disco. It's a redundant statement. I, see. I mean, but that's actually a oxymoron. An oxymoron. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. As opposed to a stupid junkie on pills. Who's also an oxymoron. I
1: see. Did you want to start over? Or? Yes,
0: yes, yes. Too hello? Oh, hello? Hi, uh, welcome to uh, Kiner's Corner. No, oh. that's not. That's old. Okay. Uh, I got one for you.
1: Okay, go ahead. <clears>
0: hey, <throat> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, what can I do for you?
1: Oh, hi. Hi, uh, you know, I called this number and I actually forget where i'm calling
0: i hate that if you've been bitten by a spider recently because it happened to me back in the eighth grade i don't know i forgot all my uh test results
1: can you tell me who you are so i can uh Ah, yes i've been calling
0: welcome to highway hobby house oh can i help you uh
1: yes we're located
0: in ramsey new jersey
1: excellent i have a hobby or two i would like to know if you uh provide stuff for those hobbies
0: well we mostly do slot car racing and uh you know that kind of stuff Slot
1: car racing. Well, like, Come ew. on down.
0: We have the largest slot car racing track in northern New Jersey. Oh,
1: well, uh, congratulations on that. That is not what I'm looking for, but I hope you have a great day.
0: Oh, Jesus. What do you want to model?
1: You want to model a plane? I got that, too. Uh, I got some glue. No. You need some glue? I you are desperate for customers at the Hobby House, I see.
0: Well, fast forward. Uh Into the 20th century. Yeah. And we're closed. We closed because of the customs. The what? There's no customers. Oh, I see. They don't
1: like our hobbies anymore. It's all about the internets. I uh, worked at a hobby place. Did you you know that? Yeah.
0: Did you sell model airplanes?
1: Uh, There were model airplanes, but they were mostly. Model ships? That's right.
0: Oh, boats in a bottle?
1: What was it?
0: Boats in a bottle. Did you save time in a bottle?
1: Boats in a bottle is uh, just it.
0: It's, That's not a hobby. That's a fucking scam, man.
1: It's not a scam, but oh. you, the boats in the bottle, and then you just use like a stick.
0: That's a whole to raise other, a uh, whole mother audience clientele, shall I say?
1: But the truth of the matter was that the, the the model ship game, at least back when I worked in there, was uh, was quite something. You quite could, pricey. You could buy a model to put together for you know four hundred dollars, and I'm talking a good model, like one of these. I forget the name, but they were these uh, this company in Italy.
0: Is model uh, code for Russian escort?
1: Anyway, and you could, if you were a master ship builder, mm. which... Uh, Freemasonry. Uh, no. But if you were a master at it, then you could sell that model once completed for 10 to 100 times of what you paid for the kit.
0: God damn. Is that still happening today?
1: I I don't know. I I worked. It was a hobby shop. I I, I even forget the name of the place, to be honest. But uh, it was in Pinebrook.
0: That sounds like a good place for an institution.
1: But every Sunday, all these uh, master shipbuilders would come.
0: That's insanity. And they
1: would bring their latest ships that they were building. And these guys were a hoot. And we would have coffee. And uh, it was me and the, the... the manager, I forget his name too. He was a lovely gentleman, and um, they were just talk and have stories about, you know, not about shipbuilding, but just their general stories. It was kind of a great spot. I was nineteen, so um, you know, everybody was in their sixties and above that you know, that were customers there. But it was it was quite it was quite interesting.
0: Very very strange. So no,
1: I don't think that place still exists. <laughs>
0: Well, the place I'm talking about was a real place, and uh, as a kid, you used to go there, and they did have a huge slot racing thing, and you could rent little race cars, and you'd put them on the track and race against other kids.
1: Oh, is that? What, I don't know what slot racing and is. And it was
0: these little, like, uh, remote or little hand-controlled uh, speed uh, throttle. Uh-huh. Can I, and you would be at your station. And the, but this track was, like, huge. It was, like, 50-foot track or something. Like, it was big, oh, and it wow. was up on a bank an embankment. And it was, like, as a little kid, it was, like, one of the craziest adventures you could possibly have because it was fun. And it was, like, I don't know.
1: Were you steering it as well or just using the Well, no, the there are, that's,
0: the, that's the essence of the slot. So oh. the car is in a slot on the track, and all you had to do was not... Go out of control. See, if you went too fast, you would pull out of the slot and it crash. It would pop
1: out. I yeah. see.
0: But if you had just the right finesse and were fast enough, you could win. Of course, I don't think I ever won anything. I was racing against mostly older kids. But yeah, that's uh, the slot racing. Um, fucking amazing.
1: That sounds like that's a fun, a fun day.
0: Man, that, that shit was way fun. So this you didn't
1: be- have to bring the car... You nope. just brought yourself.
0: Brought yourself. You rented the car. I mean, maybe some people had their own cars. I don't know.
1: Did you pick the car or did, was it yeah, already you, in the slot?
0: No, you could pick the car, I think. I See, uh, this is... I was under 10 years old when this was going on.
1: And where was this? Ramsey? Ramsey.
0: Amazing place as a kid.
1: And who your mom and dad took you? Or your yeah, my dad sisters? would have
0: taken me there. That's cool. That place was amazing, honestly. There
1: needs to be places like that more. Well,
0: it's all gone now. It doesn't happen anymore.
1: Are there even still like... uh... This was
0: before, you know, computer games.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is when you would go to the arcade and put 25 cents in and play, you know, Boot Hill. Boot Hill? That was the shooting game.
1: Oh, I never played the shooting games. I don't have good aim like that.
0: Boot Hill. And then you had the other race car with the shift.
1: Oh, the one you could sit in.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is like before Space Invaders.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Space invaders and asteroids that was like the mark of the change.
1: My father, I probably I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before um, but he when he
0: was he's a pinball wizard.
1: He was a pinball wizard. He absolutely was a pinball wizard. He was an arcade uh, wizard basically. He could play pool, but he could also play the shit out of pinball. And when I was living in California um, for I think it was eighth or ninth grade, ninth grade, we would, there was an arcade and we would go maybe once a week and it was amazing. And he'd give me a whole bunch of quarters and I would go play, you know, Galaga or Space Invaders or Defender, you know, all those kinds.
0: That was the second generation of video games.
1: But he was playing, he would he would beeline right to this Harlem Globetrotters old school uh, pinball machine. And he would, on one quarter, get many, many high games and turn it over to get free games. And by the time we were ready to leave, we would find somebody and, uh, you know, a little kid and say, hey, we got a whole bunch of free games on this machine. And uh, we would just give them to a, a kid. Never to like, he never gave them to an adult, but he always gave them to a kid.
0: Well, that's nice of him.
1: Yeah, I think so. Unless he was like a weird pedo or something.
0: No, it sounds like he was a fiend.
1: Uh, definitely a fiend. Definitely a fiend. Um, anywho, so this is episode number 98.
0: This is a Saigon?
1: Not Saigon. That's nineteen.
0: Oh, well. This is
1: 98.
0: Did I do that on episode 19?
1: Uh, you probably did we probably both did
0: I'm programmed a certain way
1: you certainly are and uh I think we all are programmed episode number n- number 98 uh talking about old-school stuff is about radio now I grew up loving WABC 77
2: a.m w-
3: You can hear it everywhere
2: There's a certain style that's all your own That's the way it ought to be We're New York style at 77 W-A-B-C W-A-B-C W-A-B-C
1: When I was little, it was a music station. Uh, some Sometime in the late 70s or early 80s, I guess it became a talk station, but when I was little, it was a top 40 radio station.
2: always to be a player,
3: not a fiddle player. I always wanted to play a
1: you had your Ron Lundy's. You had your uh, Harry Harrisons. You had your cousin Brucey. It was it was it was top forty little kid music basically, and I loved it.
0: ABC, we're talking about
1: yeah, seventy seven WABC.
0: I am familiar with that station.
1: What did you listen to when you were little?
0: I listened to WABC because it played music. And I had one of them little green oval-shaped portable radios. The
1: transistor?
2: Yeah. They're light and easy to carry, these modern transistor radios. But they carry a world of pleasure, music, commentary, and a thorough coverage of the news. So why not take advantage of the happiest development of our electronic age? Whether you're traveling indoors or out, take a lively companion wherever you go. Take a portable radio.
0: It was looked like a little egg or something but bigger yeah. I had
1: I had one that would look like it was shaped like Snoopy uh-oh and uh, I basically carried that around everywhere Every, yeah. so you had so that was a thing little kids had transistor radios
0: uh, I remember songs being played like disco duck maybe might have played disco duck if I'm not mistaken.
1: Okay, that, that was towards the end.
0: Yeah, and then they turned to talk radio right after that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I, my parents had moved me out of the East Coast to Montana and then to California. And then when we came back, uh, the first thing I did was, of course, try to put on that radio station. And it was just talk. And I was like, what is this? What's <laughs> happening here? I had no idea that... Radio stations could or would switch formats. Uh, Of course, now it's a regular thing, but back then it was like, I was shocked.
2: I don't think that it'll ever be another radio station that will come close to being as big as we were.
1: That's probably true. At its peak, WABC had six million listeners. Today, there are more stations, more choices, no giants.
0: Huh. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about it so much.
1: Did you not listen to... I would think with your older brothers and sisters, you were listening to like N.E.W. and PLJ.
0: Yeah, but my radio was just AM.
1: Right. The little transistors are just AM. Uh, And mono.
0: I didn't like the sports radio very much because I was a fake. Okay, Uh, that's the
1: second time you... Why are you doing that?
0: Today's the day we use that slur. Okay, would... I'm just playing.
1: Okay.
0: I was in a fig.
1: All right.
0: Uh, go on.
1: No, you go on.
0: Oh, I'm just trying to remember now, back to the origins of the WABC. So that was playing music all throughout the 60s and stuff? So ABC was a, a music station before FM existed?
1: Yes. I mean, it was... A... Yes, I think it was an AM it was a music station before FM existed. I think most radio stations I think talk radio wasn't a thing until later. I mean, I think all stations had a mixed bag of programming. Like they'd have their serials, you know, like The Guiding Light, the the soap opera that was on CBS for years that started off as a radio show.
0: The Guiding Light.
2: To you by the makers of PNG soap. So
1: the white soap. It wasn't all music mm-hmm. all the time. There was music and news, and then those kind of old-time radio programs that were, you know, radio theater basically, before television. So that's how all I think all radio stations were. Vel. A little Bud Abbott and Luke Costello, a little uh, Glenn Miller a little Walter Cronkite, you know, a mixed thing. Uh-huh. But I think by the time we were listening, it was mostly just music and maybe news and weather at the top of the hour or something.
0: let yeah, see. I remember 99X.
1: Oh, what was that?
0: That was an FM station in the, uh, in the mid-70s. 99X FM, all the radio you'll ever need.
1: What did they play?
0: That was like a pop station.
1: Is it New York City or New Jersey? That was
0: New York. Metro area. The tri-state area. 99X. It must have become something else. I can't remember what. Then there was WPLJ, of course, but then there was uh, BLS.
1: World's best looking sound.
0: What was that, 98.7? 98.7 98.7 was BLS, no, I think. or uh-uh. was They had
1: 98.7. 107.3, I think, was WBLS.
0: Okay, yeah, that was the one all the way up the top.
3: WBLS-FM. The biggest beat in the biggest city. WBLS-FM. The most beautiful people in the most beautiful city. WBLS-FM. The most exciting sound. In the most exciting city. World's best looking sound. WBLS 107.5 FM.
0: BLS was the black station forever. Oh, and then the cool the, the cool uh, jazz station in New York in the 70s was WRVR.
1: Was that the eighty eight point one?
0: No. That's BGO, okay. 88.3. RVR was was uh, like CD 101 before they existed. So RVR played like contemporary jazz, which at the time was like rock jazz fusion, you know, like Weather Report and Spyro Gyra and that kind of shit. You'd hear a lot of Chuck Mangione on, uh, on WRVR.
1: Well, now it is WRVR The River. And it's an adult contemporary radio station in Memphis, Tennessee.
0: Mm, that's not what it was then. It, WRVR was like hip as fuck, but it was also square as hell. Was it? Yeah, because it was like, it was like supposedly like cool new jazz, but it was like, you know, a, a little bit like, like CD 101 was like really corny. Like, I
2: think Because it was all Kenny G.
0: I was going to
1: say, I think Kenny G personally was responsible for... All of the new... Cheese. Uh, smooth jazz. CD
0: 101.9, it's called Silhouette, and the artist, of course, Kenny G. Well, Chuck Mangione was the 70s version of Kenny G.
1: But was smooth jazz a term before no. Kenny G? Yes. It I'm was? sure it
0: was, but I'm not sure where that originated.
1: Are you 100% sure?
0: I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, though. Oh, okay. All right. Like, to me, the first smooth jazz is like Bossa Nova jazz crossover. Like Girl from Ipanema, that's the first smooth jazz. But did
1: they call it that?
0: I don't know about that.
1: It says here, uh, according to Wikipedia, the genre of smooth jazz arose in the mid-70s in the United States as smooth radio and was not termed smooth jazz until the 80s. The earliest smooth jazz music appearing in the 70s includes the 1975 album Touch by saxophonist John Klemmer, the song Breezin' as performed by guitar- guitarist George Benson, and the 77 instrumental composition Feel So Good by flugelhorn player Chuck Mangione.
0: Yeah, that's all relatively correct, especially and, the part that I talked about, yeah. Chuck Mangione.
1: <laughs> Chuck Mangione. Uh, it says smooth jazz grew in popularity in the 80s as Anita Baker, Sade, Al Jarreau, and Grover Washington Jr. released multiple hit songs.
0: This is all true. And then... So, smooth jazz was actually pretty good until it got ruined in the 80s.
1: Well, this is what it says. It says here, the smooth jazz genre experienced a backlash exemplified by critical complaints about the bland sound of top-selling saxophonist Kenny G. Yeah whose popularity peaked with his 1992 album, Breathless.
0: Yep, it is what it is. I'm not here to friends, Romans, countrymen. Uh The evil these men do is often bone with their bones, if that's how it's said. I'm just saying, I am not here to reprimand Kenny G at this moment.
1: I'm not here to bury Caesar, but to praise him?
0: Well, that's the first part, yes. I see. Friends, Romans, countrymen.
1: Lend me your ears.
0: I thought it was lend me your Walkman. No, I got a who tape I want to play. You motherfuckers are boring me.
1: Oh, I got shit. a roach.
0: I'm gonna smoke in the back and see you later.
1: I don't know. So radio ABC. I didn't know you listened to ABC as well.
0: Yeah, man.
1: And then as I got like in so in the early '80s when I did come back from California.
3: Ooh, early '80s. Okay, go on.
1: I was I was PLJ all
3: day. Listen. There's no other radio station like it.
1: The music is good. Real good.
3: I feel like we're friends. They let me know exactly what's happening.
1: No one plays more of my favorite songs. They play the best music, new and old, without too much
2: talking.
3: On New York's Best, nothing comes between you and the music.
2: WPLJ, 95.5 FM, New York's Best rock.
0: I was an N.E.W.
3: man. W.N.E.W. where rock lives.
1: Oh,
0: shit. Now, I dug PLJ, but N.E.W. was a little more hipster. Yeah. Now, it's... Scott Muni was the man.
1: Oh, really? I didn't know you had a thing for Scott Muni.
2: Everybody had a thing for Scott Muni. Scott Muni with you this afternoon to share a lot of music and things that we'll be doing between now and 5 o'clock. And here is John Lennon. I, I guess almost Scott everybody.
1: Mute,
0: Scott Beauty was was a highly respected DJ. He was like a senior spokesperson on the genre of rock and roll. Well, let me just tell you this. Okay. Uh, N.E.W., uh, no. PLJ was happening for sure. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, their bumper stickers. Okay. They had that colorful rainbow thing before those people <laughs> stole oh, the rainbows. Jesus
3: Christ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs>
0: No, but seriously, didn't they have a rainbow I back don't... when back when rainbow didn't mean you were given up to the left? There it is. There's the uh, there's the PLJ rainbow. This one, you mean? Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. That's odd. that That's what you that's what you think that is.
0: I don't know. Isn't
1: that? It's not a rainbow.
0: Is that the one?
1: No. This is from 2010. This is Scott and Todd.
0: Ew. All right. That's enough. Come on, let's see the eighties or seventies one. Don't get me wrong, PLJ was was happening.
1: I loved PLJ. This I loved listening. The morning show it was like Jim Kerr, who I think is that isn't that the guy that got arrested recently? Hey
0: no, man, that's someone else.
1: Oh, who was that?
0: Yeah, hey, that's not fucking sorry, Jim Kerr's name, man. Who was that it? This Dave Herman.
1: Dave Herman, that's right. Jim, I think it was Jim Kerr and Jim Kerr's the
0: outrageous one who just goes off on his pot, uh, was going off on the radio a couple years back. We were listening to him, and he was all cra- kind of little, little crazy. No,
1: that's somebody else.
0: All right, see, we're all over the map. The map.
1: <laughs> Jim Kerr and I think it was Shelley Sunstein.
0: Uh, I don't know about her.
1: They, I think they were the morning show.
0: I don't remember that. This is back when WKTU was a disco station.
1: KTU, okay, so.
0: Well, first of all, PLJ, they also had. This is the thing. It almost seemed like PLJ had uh, the Cope, didn't they?
1: Mark Coppola, yes.
0: And they had uh, Mark Coppola. Uh, and then so, but it seems like some of these guys went back and forth between PLJ and NEW. It was almost like they kind of. Am I mistaken? I feel like some of those guys work for both places. There were those classic rock DJs before MTV.
1: There was Tony Pig was a PLJ guy. Tony
0: Pig, right, exactly. I mean,
1: that guy, probably one of the more famous voices ever, right?
3: Now, here's Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee Gifford.
1: He was a PLJ guy.
0: That was the golden age of... Uh, that was the last... That was like the end of rock and roll, basically.
1: Yeah, it it kind of was because... They had, uh, and it was, the, it was also the end of that, That I don't want to say it was a free format, but it was a pretty free format. You, would, you could walk in, Tony Pig would walk in, and maybe he had someone help him pick records, maybe he didn't. Maybe he just said, I feel like playing, you know, these 20 records today, and, and, and that's it. But now it, it's, it's not like that at all.
0: Well, once it all became computer programmed, it all went to hell.
1: It kind of did.
0: Definitely did. I mean... Then everything... It's just like all of America. Everything lost its individuality. Everything became a chain store. There was no more mom and pop shops, and there's no more individual radio programming. So then you don't get to think like an individual community. Everyone's programmed to think the same. Yep. It's all on one fucking fucked up level. Welcome to it. You know, when they stopped swiping credit cards, it all went to shit. I mean, swiping them manually.
1: I understand what you're saying.
0: With a goddamn carbon paper. Now kids don't even know what carbon paper is. To them, carbon paper is something you put in a filter to get rid of the smell of weed smoke.
1: Is that true?
0: No, but it sounds good.
1: Okay. Uh, When I was working for uh, DLR, he told me when they were on the road, he would go to each... um, venue or the each each city and he would he would put a cassette in and record their local radio that's cool and then he would go to the next city and record theirs over and over and over again to just to get the feel of what different parts of the country were listening to and then when when all this computerized shit happened that ended there is no uh you know kansas city Sounds like Chicago. It's sounds true. like Boise. It's not the same as it was. That's and true. I, I think that's. I think that's sad.
0: Beyond sad. It's pitiful.
1: I think it's pitiful. That's pitiful. Mm. Sounds better. Okay. Well, it is pitiful. But so I. I.
0: All right. Now hold on. Uh, Back on track.
1: Okay. Well, we're still talking about radio, so that's, yeah, it's everywhere.
0: Now on top of you had W&E W Uh huh. And then some motherfucker snuck in up on 103.5 or something. Uh, what the one fuck f- f- is
1: that? 104.
0: Nah, man. It was in the threes. You're
1: 103. About, you're not talking about Q104?
0: Nope. It was before that. It was like W. It was W, okay? Oh, B-A-B? No. It was oh. like W-K. K-Rock was 92.3. Was there a K-Rock up above before? Something I- came on after any W. Right in that 103 area. It was like a kind of more poppy version of PLJ. It was corny almost.
1: Let's see.
0: Oh, and then there was the oldie station, which was CBS.
1: Right. That's, was that like
0: 101 something?
1: I think it was 101 point something. 101 point, 101 point two, 101
0: point three. Something like that.
1: That's where all the ABC... Jockeys went.
0: Uh huh, cousin Brucey.
1: Cousin Brucey, yes.
0: Bruising Cuzzy. One oh three point
1: five was W Y N Y. What was it? One oh three point five.
0: Yes, that was the one that was above any W that kind of sucked. When do they come into play? Around eighty five.
1: Well, now it's saying now. I think well. It says in nineteen eighty-nine they were a country.
0: Right, and then they switched over. Oh they did? Yeah.
1: Let's see. In one oh three point five became WKTU in ninety seven.
0: So odd.
1: I think wasn't KTU uh, originally
0: I think what I'm Wasn't ta-
1: KTU originally K Rock?
0: First, it was the disco station. The first I know of it is it in the 70s. It was, dis- it was disco.
3: Oh, yeah. These are the sounds of Disco 92 WKTU, New York. Hawaii. This is also orchestra. you like this one. It's titled...
0: 92 WKTU.
1: That's why it's weird that they are now... KTU is on 103 something.
0: That doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. It
1: should
0: be KTG. Now, the other station I'm talking about, I believe 99X in the, in the 70s called WXLO was 98.7. 98.7 was 99X in the, in the 70s.
1: That's, 98.7 was WRKS in, nine, in 89, but 99.5 is BAI.
0: That's always been like that. That's small public rating. That's that so
1: close to 99X. Yeah, but you as... couldn't
0: even get that as in Connecticut or whatever. That was only like within a certain amount of miles, I think.
1: I see.
0: Um, yeah, so that's the 99X I was talking about.
1: Uh, let's see here. The introduction of the easy listening format came from WPIX 101.9.
3: Your ex wants you back. 102
1: WPIX. Love songs. Nothing but love songs. I didn't really ever listen to that. So maybe easy listening is what became smooth jazz.
0: Basically. Kind of a morph of genres.
1: But that was in the 60s. Easy listening is like... I guess I don't remember WPIX 101.9. Didn't that count? Didn't that change to... that did change. That 101.9 came became Smooth Jazz? The New York City CD Radio CD 101.9,
0: exactly. CD
1: 101.9,
3: right. Yep. New York's chill-out station. Smooth Jazz. CD 101.9.
0: Exactly, so it already was that. It, it was, was easy was listening and it just became shitville.
1: Easy listening. That's funny. I it's forgot essentially, about that it's term. like,
0: you know, elevator music to a certain degree. With lyrics, okay. But then again, you know they had on easy listening. You would have Sinatra, right? Perry Como, that kind of stuff.
1: I love both of You'd
0: those. You have uh, "Girl from Ipanema." You probably have anything that wasn't offensive. Maybe some Pat Boone, some Debbie Boone, if you're not careful.
1: Pat Boone, Debbie Boone,
0: and even some uh, Daniel Boone.
1: Here's. Uh-huh. Here it says in 1968, WPIX, and that easy listening format was number four in the market, yeah, behind that makes sense. WABC, WNEW, and WOR. You used to listen to WOR. Is that where Bob Grant was?
0: Uh, not when I was listening. What was that? Bob Grant was on WABC.
1: I see. When it turned to, uh,
0: oh no, that's a whole
1: other thing. When right? that turned to talk. Yeah. So you liked you listened to the talk.
0: I listened to the talk way back in the day. I am a fan of the talk since nineteen eighty four. Really? Yeah.
1: Would you just listen to Bob Grant or would you listen no, to Talk? No, I listened day? to
0: the whole motherfucking lineup. Did you Once ever... I got my driver's license I got a job driving. And once I got a job driving, I tuned in the radio. And most cars I had driving didn't have FM radio. So that left you with what was on the AM, which was All kinds of fun talk. So I listened to all the ABC stuff. And let me tell you something before I listened to the ABC stuff, I'd also tune into Howard Stern on NBC.
1: Right. 66 a.m.
0: Because that was when NBC was cool. They weren't just a sports station.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Way before that.
0: (laughs) So I would tune into Howard, but I'd also tune into Bob Grant and then later Lynn Samuels. And that's where I first heard Lionel. I believe was on ABC Radio. Jay Diamond, Barry Farber.
1: Uh, were they all these people? Were they and left or right, or what were they talking ABC about? ABC
0: was ninety percent right,
1: except for Ron Kuby.
0: No. Oh well, the day I Curtis was on there too, but uh, that wasn't Kuby back then. It was Curtis and uh, Lisa. All
1: oh, right, <laughs> Lisa and Curtis Leva did a mm-hmm. show together.
0: And then uh, Curtis got shot or something. Right. But that was a little bit later. That was in the nineties, I think. But uh, it was very right wing, except for uh, Lynn Samuels. Basically, she was like the exception. Never, this was when people were civilized. Like Lynn Samuels and Bob Grant were friendly, even though they hated each other on the air. They were still friends. You know, they were friendly acquaintances. He, Lionel, ta- Lionel talks about how what you know Bob Grant was like one of the nicest people he ever met, but on air he was you know pretended to be like this a despicable. Tyrant. Yeah,
2: you're a snake. That's what you are. get off my phone, you creep. Hello, Chris. Just gonna speak to Bob. Yeah, this is Bob Chris, I'm sorry to tell you. What? Yes. This is Bob Chris. Yes. I would like to... if, uh I I went a pocket. Hello. Yeah, goodbye.
0: But Bob Grant was one of the most entertaining people ever. ABC radio talk radio was some of the most entertaining shit. This is basically like nineteen eighty five to nineteen ninety. And then they started firing people. They fired Bob Grant, and he had to move over to WOR, I think.
1: Why did they start firing people?
0: Because, oh, you know, the the politically correct bullshit started seeping in. Oh, it started yeah. seeping in, and it just infiltrating. People got infiltration. Crazy. The, the roots of evil, you know, took over. Then they, you know, they hire someone like Lynn Samuels, and then they fire her. They fired her, too. They fired everyone. They're just so stupid because they're probably, you know, their board members pressure them or something.
1: Right. Well, Lynn Samuels.
0: She was a fucking train wreck, but she was entertaining as hell, She was
1: entertaining, yeah. But she did not have a voice for radio.
0: That was what was great
2: about (laughs) it.
3: North Carolina man is in critical condition. And his wife has
2: been charged. You think this is funny, Lynn? With setting his genitals on fire. please. (laughs)
3: they don't know why in this instance they didn't know why
2: what'd she do pour gasoline on him or what
3: oh no come on this is a woman doing it she used nail polish remover
0: and she had been on BAI I think for like 20 years or something she was like am I wrong she came from public radio
1: oh man I listened to way too much BAI and I'm embarrassed to say that now
0: and New York radio was the shit
1: New York radio you know there there is probably no more crowded uh radio band than in New York like, you just turn that dial just a hair yeah and boom you've got another radio station coming in loud and clear it's not like that anywhere else mm. I mean I've been we've driven all around this country and there are times where you are just searching and searching for a signal but yeah, so I think we were lucky to grow up in the in the New York area because at that time yeah. Well, at any time really as far as radio goes, just because we there was so much to choose from. It's it's definitely not like that in a lot of spots. No. I mean, LA it's like that. Big cities, yes, but if you're in uh
0: Oh, man, if you were up in Vermont back in the 80s or 70s, you'd get, you know, a couple of stations.
1: Two or three stations, and if you were lucky. The TV was even
0: worse. You'd get maybe two stations.
1: You know, also, I used to listen to college radio.
0: Seton's- oh, college radio was a whole nother beast. Like All kinds of good stuff.
1: Well, the Seton Hall radio station um, played metal, like, most of the time. So I was constantly listening to that. And we had WDHA, which was a Dover, New Jersey radio station, 105.5. And they, um, unfortunately, they are where uh, Eddie Trunk started. Eddie Trunk started at 105.5 WDHA. And, hey, he's
0: got to start somewhere.
1: And he had a metal show. And, you know, you, you if you knew Ace Fraley was going to be on Eddie Trunk's show... You drove to the station and you waited for Ace to come out to get an autograph. I mean, there would be, you know, a few dozen people there. Radio really, it was, I guess, what TV became for people, you know? When there started to be cable TV and a shit ton of channels, people, I think, stopped listening to radio so much, unless they were in the car. True. I mean, when MTV came, you just were like, oh, well, now I can watch the music, too. So why would I have to listen to PLJ when I could just watch this channel? And you didn't realize that it probably wasn't as good.
0: Well, it was good until they insisted they stopped playing black music.
1: Who did? PLJ or MTV? They stopped playing black music?
0: No, they insisted that they had to. Oh. Now here's the thing, I like black music more than white music if I had to choose,
1: Uh-huh.
0: but I don't want to be forced to play black music.
1: What do you mean, you want to be forced to listen to it?
0: No, I don't want to be told as a programmer, you guys gotta include Michael Jackson, you guys gotta include, you know, some, some rap music.
1: You need to be more diverse.
0: Yeah, you know what, I don't need to do anything, except listen to Hank Williams.
1: Is that what you were doing? Unless
0: I don't want to listen to Hank. Well, what if I want to listen to Ray Charles? You know what I mean? Go fuck yourself. Don't force programming like that. That's what the problem is.
1: Yeah. Well, because
0: when they force the the programming, then oh, once again, the individuality is gone.
1: I hear tell. Um, Do you?
0: Because I hear Penn. Uh-huh.
1: I or, hear tell that at oh. some point in the late 80s or very early 90s, MTV hired a woman to head the station, to head all of MTV.
0: Is she the same one who ruined Howard Stern's career?
1: No, I mean I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. know. But this woman is what she.
0: She she implemented the politically correct
1: agenda. Absolutely absolutely and they started not playing songs like say a hot for teacher they started not playing putting in regular rotation uh, videos that had women uh, dressed you know sexy she was changing that she she decided to change change that she decided that she wanted to be make it political so uh, I don't know her name well
0: let's find out and haunt her
1: well, I mean, it's it's part of this, you know, creeping into society this weird Marxist bullshit, where we're I, we're going to we're going to demand that you're entertained, but we by what we say is entertaining, and it's just uh, it's 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 troubling.
0: Uh, yeah, I didn't like MTV that much. I okay. was kind of anti MTV.
1: That's fine. I, kinda, I was more
0: of a Don Kirshner's rock concert guy.
1: Yeah, well, I think we all watched that, but that wasn't radio and MTV wasn't radio either. So
0: Yeah, so but, let's get a fuck MTV. Video killed the radio, stuff. <laughs> I
1: was going to say it. It's, oh. it's true. It's true though. That's that's what happened. And now radio is is not nearly as popular as it was.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it all sucks now. Boom. What's boom? boom it went up in flames the industry went up in flames you know what happened Lars Ulrich was right maybe and, and Napster killed the, killed the dream
1: yeah I mean it, it,
0: we need this music we need the music industry back in the hands of mobsters so they can regulate it and control it and eke it out to everyone instead of no one getting anything at least we all get something this is nonsense yeah yeah it's guys like Irving Azoff, turns out they're actually saving the world.
1: No, Ir- Irving Azoff is not saving the world.
0: Really? Because tell me something: how many how many albums have sold since he's you know, since since everything's free? How are we doing?
1: Not very. Like when they
0: controlled everything, at least we we're doing all right.
1: Yeah, but he's still in the business, so it's. I'm he's just not saying. Saving anything. It's,
0: well, he, yeah, it's true. I don't know what I'm
1: saying. I that I agree with
0: Irving. Help me.
1: He is of your tribe. Come so. on, okay. is it
0: you over here? He just wants a little handout. Ah, uh, I'll do something for you.
1: Hand up, not that. Hand up, not handout.
0: Stand down. Stand by.
1: Stand down and stand by. Um, so I just—I th- when did you stop listening? I think you probably stopped listening.
0: I stopped listening when the dream was over, man.
1: Well, I stopped listening when we moved out of the area. And we uh, moved up here to upstate New York.
0: Well, I, that's right when I stopped listening, too. Let me tell you something. Then, okay. I started listening because of serious XM, eh?
1: Well, that's what I was going to say.
0: You ruined the whole world.
1: Well, we... Okay. Hmm? We, uh... XM... We got XM when we were up here because it was the only way to get... We, we live in the middle of the woods. It was
0: also the new cool thing to get.
1: It was the new cool thing to get, but we live in the middle of the woods and there's just, we have, I think we get one station if we we have to parade our radio all through the house to find the one corner of the house where we can get a signal and then we have to play with the antenna. It's It's literally like, and then you got to take your hand away from the antenna and hope that your body wasn't helping boost the signal, it's a pain in the ass. So we, at some point here, got XM. And uh, so we listened to Opie and Anthony on XM. You listened to them on radio, but I didn't ever hear them until XM.
0: Yeah, I I did listen to them on radio.
1: I'll tell you this, XM was a pretty good service. Uh, They had Opie and Anthony, they had a lot of good music. And then they got taken over by Sirius, and then everything went to shit. That's so we true. we uh they became once again, they became where they needed to be diverse, they needed to uh be PC, and if you know anything about Opie and Anthony, uh not diverse and not PC. So when when that shit ekes in it really kills the fun out of it. Uh, God bless you if you are a stand-up comedian, because uh, you gotta learn to code, I think. But uh, yeah, X M code
0: blue. Is that when a comedian works dirty as a nurse?
1: Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Code blue. I I know you're trying to be funny.
0: You can't work cold. You can't work cold blue, kid.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
0: Uh, huh? Huh? Yeah. Is this thing ever on?
1: Now, you know, we're talking about radio, and you did not talk about Sly Sly Stone.
0: Well, this is why I didn't talk about Sly Stone. Okay. Because I'm not from San Francisco in the 1960s. You could have been. I I was clueless to that as a kid growing up. Now, yes, I've heard tales that Sly was a great personality on-air DJ, but I have heard very little of it personally. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe you can dig up some. But from what I'm told, he was a legendary Bay Area DJ for a minute. Is that what you're getting at?
1: Well, it just it's just another thing where different parts of the country had different...
0: Yeah, but how about Wolfman Jack? Oh my God, how do you talk about radio without mentioning Wolfman Jack? He broadcast out of Mexico for a while. Yep. To get away with certain things mostly underage women and cocaine
1: are you serious
0: well, I don't know
1: okay stop it I mean I, I I just think I think radio I loved radio I I, I oh. love listening to the different I just thought of something else too okay Sorry. no go ahead go go on no go I insist
0: dr Demento there you go eh? Now, that's Weird Al Yankovic's influence.
1: Yeah. This, these are the kind of shows that...
0: They used to play... Uh, what's that one? Camp Granada?
1: <laughs> what was the other one you said we were talking about the other day? The uh, The King Biscuit Flower Hour.
0: Oh, and they used to also play The Funny Farm? The Coming and <laughs> take, take Me Away? away. <laughs> that's <laughs> fucked up. That's just, that shit wouldn't fly today. That's in politically incorrect music.
1: Why, because it's a funny farm?
0: Yeah, making fun of crazy people.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's absurd. It's absurd what you can't do.
0: I'm putting out a new version of Funny Farm. You are? Featuring Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee Band. You know what we do.
1: What? Is that Yacht Rock?
0: (laughs) That's Yacht Cock.
1: Okay. (laughs) All right. I'll (laughs) set you up for that one.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Knocking it out of the park, folks. Yeah, softball right up near, yeah, and that shit.
1: When I was in the eighties, I wanted to be like Howard Stern.
0: Well, if it was twenty years later, you could have changed gen- genders and been in that genre. There you go. I you could just go and in there and genre. say,
1: "Hey, I'm a I'm a Jewish <laughs> guy wanting to do shock radio. I wanted to be a uh, I wanted I wanted to be on radio doing uh, stuff like Howard Stern." did I I didn't have the chops (laughs) or the creative streak in me to to come up with bits and stuff but I just I I could not get enough of him when I was younger I just would listen on my little and then by that time I had like a radio shack um it was a radio and a cassette recorder so I would just record all the shows and listen to them over and over again because they were just, st- he was, I mean, this is on NBC. It was just so ridiculous. So around
0: 1985, maybe he moved to K-Rock? K-Rock. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember he got fired from NBC and... Right. They were playing something over and over that said, you know, Howard Stern is no longer or whatever it was. But it was. And I honestly listened to it for about an hour thinking it was a joke. I Uh thought it was a joke. I thought he was going to come on at any minute. Eh. Um, But he didn't. And I was I I was heartbroken. I couldn't I couldn't imagine how this could happen.
0: So he went from NBC to K Rock, and that's when I was listening to him working in the afternoon. I see. I knew I was in the afternoon. I was. Who mowing... was the
1: morning person at K Rock at that point?
0: Uh, I think it was music.
1: Ah, okay.
0: I think it was just music, and then Howard.
1: Well, there's like a six to ten, and then a ten to two.
0: Oh, they might have had guy like you know, Bob and what was it?
1: Bob Waugh? Bob Waugh no. was overnight.
0: What was they at those two guys? Those two guys, Todd, Todd.
1: Scott, and Todd was at Z one hundred.
0: Yeah, but wasn't maybe back then. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. We could find out. Yeah, he was on from two to six though.
1: Two to six, and then but when did okay? So when did they make him? Uh, when did he become the morning show guy? I'd have to say it was pretty quick
0: he was also playing music still at this point <clears throat> they had him talking and playing music
1: right that's right it wasn't all talk it was
0: it says by 87 he had almost completely stopped playing music and that's when it was syndicated
1: so that he's in the morning at that point in 87
0: I'm not sure about that
1: yeah. Yes. Hold on a second. There's not going to syndicate a, a weird afternoon show.
0: Oh, oh, no. He had his afternoon show, but he also had a three hour Saturday morning show that was syndicated.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. Then that's I'm completely.
0: 1988 was when they got Billy West and Stuttering John.
1: Was the Saturday show. A compilation of the week's show? Was it Best Of or something? That was syndicated? He did not do a live show as far as I know. That doesn't make sense to me.
0: Let's see. Stern entered national syndication on August 18th, 86, when WISP in Philadelphia first simulcast the program. Uh-huh. In the 18-plus male demographic. Stern began a rivalry with number one host John Debella.
1: That I remember.
0: He achieved his goal, beating him in 1990. Held a celebratory funeral for Tabella. Between September 86 and February 87, he hosted a three-hour Saturday morning program with a live audience, was which was syndicated.
1: In the morning. Yeah. I guess I just don't he I don't I don't recall that. And that wasn't the TV show.
0: No, that was later.
1: Weird. I didn't know that there was a three hour radio show on weekends. I was there from 89 to 91. And from 89 to 91, I'm not at all remembering anything about a three hour Saturday show.
0: Well, let's just, let me just tell you a side note here. Oh, okay. WKTU, which was became K-Rock. Right. The station executive was Michael Rappaport's father. Okay. Uh, initially, WKTU played... Is disco. that why he's like that? I don't know. KTU played mostly dance, disco, and a few rhythm friendly pop and rock songs.
1: But you know what I'm talking about, Michael Rappaport.
0: What, like a dick?
1: Oh, there's a word for what he acts like.
0: I don't know what's that. Oh, he's a waker.
1: Oh, boy, you said it, not me. Maybe that's why he's like that.
0: Exactly. He was brought up as a fool. No, just kidding. He brought up loving the soul. Uh, Hold on a second. (laughs) He acts like such a weirdo. Station executive David Rappaport visited New York Studio 54 discotheque on half a dozen occasions and was very impressed with the crowds there. He got the idea that a disco-based station was needed, as several FM-based Top 40 stations were leaning towards disco in other markets, although none were playing disco music around the clock. As a result, Rappaport purchased 200 disco records and brought them into the station. KTU abruptly flipped to a disco-based rhythm Top 40 format with the tagline Disco 92 at 6 p.m. on July 24, 78. New York's disco
3: radio is
0: Disco 92. That fall, the station rose from worst to first, unseating longtime leader WABC in the 1830 age demographic.
1: What year was that?
0: 78. So... They played only disco with a couple exceptions like Rolling Stone's Miss You and that kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah, that's what the uh, Michael Rap Report comes out of. Anyway, uh, hold on a second. In 1981, KTU was sold to Infinity Broadcasting. 1981. Which which merged with CBS Radio in 97. By mid-84, KTU moved to a mainstream CHR format. What's that?
1: Uh... Something... Oh, Contemporary Hit Radio.
0: Giving up its disco past, but the ratings continued to decline.
1: It's like top 40, I guess.
0: In 84, they added Dan Ingram to Afternoons.
1: Dan Ingram, another ABC guy.
0: Uh, And to make matters worse, up 103.5 also went CHR that fall. On July 3rd, 85, uh, at midnight, on the same day KTU aired its historic Live Aid concert, the station switched... Switched to an album oriented rock format. Okay. Adopting the moniker K Rock. So in 85, they became K Rock.
2: K Rock, a new beginning for rock and roll radio.
3: 92.3 FM, K Rock.
1: So Live Aid was the bridge.
0: Yep. And then Interesting. in 85, they got Howard Stern. Right. So right from the start there, they were off and running. In eighty seven, K Rock added to their air staff Flo and Eddie, yep. Dave Herman, Pete Fornatale, Matt Griffin, Vince Skelsa, and Allison Steele, all from NEW. Okay. Along with Jimmy Fink, Tony Pig, Mark Coppola, and John Zakurly Zakurla from, from PLJ. PLJ. The Grease Man syndicated show was put in the nighttime slot, bookending Stern with an act that was often quite controversial. The Grease Man.
1: He would say stuff like you say.
0: Yeah, he'd also say, My low hanging balls. He did? <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: I, I never heard him.
0: The Grease Man was fucking hysterical. Oh,
2: of you that has to stay behind because of looters that's right looters and that's probably got to be the worst kind of maggot there is when there's an emergency or human tragedy or disaster or death any maggot that would steal people's possessions when they're running for their lives well that's a maggot that don't deserve to be breathing air that's why lovingly caressingly you load that remington wingmaster 870 pump shotgun kissing each rifle slug as you chuck it in there Right, now, buckshot for you, rifled slugs. They leave a hole like a fist going in and like a basketball coming out.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's totally ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, like they came in in '85 and just like got rid of their disco and fucking started kicking like all the other New York station radios' asses. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? We failed to mention a whole other thing. What? WNEWAM.
1: Oh, I don't even know about that. What oh, my
0: that? gosh. Was that
1: 11.30? I don't know. What is that?
0: Man, they had Steve Allen show.
1: Oh. Uh,
0: Steve Allen with his uh, on air personality, Mark Simone.
3: And now, once again, here's Steve Allen. Hello, America, from the corner of Donder and downtown Hollywood this is your Hollywood correspondent Steve Hollywood as I say enough to drive even myself crazy. however it won't be long now
1: oh
0: now, Steve Allen's show was fucking entertaining as, as hell that was very entertaining oh and you know what else they had they had Jazzbo what's Jazzbo Jazzbo Al Collins if I'm not mistaken he was a on air radio personality Jazzbo.
2: Good morning to your lobes. This is Jazzbo here on WNEW. Oh
0: man, this is old school. But fucking, uh, the Purple Grotto.
1: What's the Purple Grotto?
0: I believe that was where, uh... Is that where uh, Jazzbo dwelled?
1: (laughs) I don't know what Jazzbo is. (laughs) You keep saying that. I don't know what Jazzbo is. Here, uh, Al Collins, 78, the disc jockey of the Purple Grotto on radio. Yeah,
0: baby, Al Collins, he dwelled in the Purple Grotto.
1: Is what What does that mean? Was that the name of his show? Or yeah. is that what he called his house?
0: It was called his broadcast, the Purple Grotto, I think. Or maybe that was the name
1: of his station where he broadcast from. It is legendary New York shit here. At WNEW, he decided to situate his show in a fantasy underground landscape, The Purple Grotto. Populated by creatures like Harrison, the purple Tasmanian owl, and Jukes, a purple chameleon. Do you know how brilliant this is? Speaking in beatnik-inspired slang with a low, leisurely voice, he drew a loyal following. Ah, Jasbo, baby! He was known for his horn-rimmed glasses and his wardrobe of jumpsuits, including a formal one. Can you I mean, You can't make this shit up. Jasbo Al Collins.
2: I know I've been, uh neglecting the uh, description of the grotto a lot of people want to know how it is and what it is and the fact that it cannot be visited because there's no insurance involved if a stalactite should fall if a stalagmite should trip you up and i'd be liable and i don't want to do that and of course the station of course doesn't want to have anything to do with it you know i'm down here at my own risk i signed a, a purple grotto waiver to come down here so that's it. And I hope you enjoyed that.
1: Jazzbo. Al Jazzbo Collins. He passed away in 97.
0: Yeah. And so there was Al Jazzbo Collins, but then you also had the Steve Allen show, okay. which was on NDW. And the Steve Allen show was just really great. It was comedy. It was music. It was news. It was really a very entertaining show. That was like on, I think, maybe like three to seven or something. Okay. Really, time. really yeah. entertaining.
3: You're listening to the Steve Allen Show. Joe Baker is our guest. Herb Sargent is here. This is Mark Simone, and once again, here's Steve Allen. Thank you very much for the corner of Rack and Pinion. This is your obedient Hollywood correspondent. <laughs> We've had a request. Are yes, what's that? Get it off the to, air. No, a listener would like you to read "Bonfire the Vanities" for us now. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. One thinks of the word wolf, and when one thinks of wolf, one thinks of Alaska. What was, what was that item you were telling me about recently,
2: Joe? Oh, it was in a paper about mm-hmm. um, a family in Alaska mm-hmm. that abandoned their baby oh. when it was very young, in, in the in the wilds. And the baby apparently was um, picked up by some wild dogs, mm-hmm. crazy dogs that are in Alaska. Yes. And they raised this kid <laughs> until he was about eight, and then he was sort of discovered by some Eskimos who took him in.
3: One hears those stories. What happened to him?
2: Well, the authorities heard about this and went to the Eskimo village and asked if this was the kid that had been raised by dogs, yes, and Mm -hmm. have you looked after the baby, yes, and we think it's now time to put it into a normal home, Mm -hmm. which they did, and it went to elementary school, did very well, went to high school, junior high, high, whatever, and eventually won a scholarship to go to one of the big universities remarkable in, in Alaska uh, to which the gentleman by then got a Bachelor of Arts and, and Music and, Fantastic and Physics and um, English Language mm-hmm. uh, and he w- was a, v- a very very brilliant professor marvellous story yeah he was killed last week chasing a car oh, yes. ah what a pity <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th-
3: I thought it was fun didn't see it coming did you ladies and James <laughs> <laughs>
0: Steve Allen was was like really really talented. I tell you, the advantage of being a kid from like New Jersey instead of New York City was I had a driver's license and a car at seventeen, so I could spend hours by myself alone listening to this kind of shit. So I got exposed to all a lot of different stuff. Like none of my friends were gonna le- were listening to Steve Allen on AM radio. <laughs> Definitely not. They definitely weren't listening to Bob Grant either. Why? Well, they probably weren't listening to AM radio. And I don't know. I had a tolerance for uh, opposite points of view all along, I guess. Because I had no way no way, agreed with them politically, but I loved to listen to them. Yeah, it really just all kind of crumbled apart around 2000.
1: 2000, you think?
0: Yeah, around then.
1: Oh, because of uh, satellite and just uh, PC bullshit nonsense? I think it started going downhill in the 80s, and then it just, uh, it, it was maybe a long descent into shit. Yes. And then in the 2000s, it just, the good stuff was not available nearly as much. I mean, Opie and Anthony were were great um
0: radio climaxed in the mid 80s
1: for us maybe maybe other people will say i mean talk in radio all that shit <laughs> yeah
0: i understand yeah it's true who knows the other day yeah i'm listening to uh rosanna on the radio
1: this of the toto the toto uh-huh
0: and uh you know, the best part of the song, other than the drum groove, in my opinion, is the guitar solo at the end.
1: Okay. Oh. oh and
0: they just cut it right off. <laughs> just cut. I'm listening. I'm like, all right, guitar is about to happen. I turn it up. The second I hit the dial, it cuts and goes to another song. And I just was like, I just turned the radio off. Yeah. I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? What? What are you doing? It's like one thing to talk over the intro. I, I guess that's somehow acceptable. I mean, can you imagine? That's like, let's display, a, we're just going to display this Picasso uh, painting here at the museum, but the edges, we're going to write the description of what we think it is on the edges of it, so you can only see part of the painting, because we've covered it up with our description.
1: <laughs> I remember when we first moved up here, too, there was a, there's a radio station, it's, it's still going, but they had a, a bad copy of some... Of a few songs, and I think it was a Joe Walsh song.
0: It's still happening to this day. They've never fixed it.
1: And, and I think, did you it's call it? Not them just Joe they, Walsh. They have songs where they're, they're not playing them in stereo or something, or they are. Uh,
0: the, the Rock Mountain Out and Way, there's a guitar solo with the voice box. You know, he's playing the guitar. Uh-huh. That's somewhere vaguely in the background, kind of you can make it out, and you hear a lead rhythm piano. Track as, as the solo.
1: They have a bad copy or their, their shit isn't programmed properly. I don't know what it is.
0: Won't get fooled again. Somehow there's this edited version where they take out the whole trippy middle section with the laser show. That's just gone and it goes from one rocking section to uh, another rocking section and they cut out a good three minutes of the middle of the song.
1: Oh, with the... Uh...
0: You know the part that goes, dum, 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 all that
1: shit. They cut it and oh,
0: they cut it all out, and they just they butcher in where he screams. Yeah. That scream where he slides across the floor, the legendary scream in "Walkie Fooled again. They cut to that, and then it's back into the song. But they, I mean, it's like you should be sued for doing that shit. And yeah. then and then what happens is you have a whole generation of kids who grow up who've heard this song now, like that, and one, that's how they think the song goes, and two, they must be thinking to themselves or subconsciously, they're like, not liking the song because you've just destroyed the form of the song so it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's going to rub you the wrong way even if you don't know it because it's now bad songwriting. Right. You've made a song that made sense. Now it's bad songwriting.
1: Right. So now those it's like, oh, I don't like them because they suck. They I, might
0: not even know. They just... Yeah. They, It's like, if something's right, you don't notice it. And if it's wrong, you don't notice it, but you just know something's not right. Right. Fucking retards. (laughs) Oh, and it's never fixed. This has been 15 years. It's still the same problem.
1: We moved up here in 2001, and we left for a California adventure and came back. And it's been now 20 Dave, it's 20 years, and it's still not fixed. They're still using that same...
0: <laughs> Sir, <laughs> it's just so terrible. This day, it's like stereo. Somehow the concept of a stereo mix became one channel missing.
1: The reason we're talking about radio today is because we both have always loved radio. back The back-in-the-day radio. And um, we've decided to start our own online radio station, uh, macradio.com. It's up and running, it's not 100% hundred uh, percent where we want it to be, but it is definitely up and running with uh, songs from both of our collections. These are our own songs that we have.
0: That we have gathered illegally.
1: That's, that is not true.
0: That is not true.
1: Dave, hmm? I paid for all of my songs.
0: Yeah, man, I paid too.
1: Your songs may have uh, questionable origins. Mine do not. I
0: paid, man.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I paid my price.
1: Okay. Anyway, um, so if you want to head on over the, to uh, Mac Radio, we're right now we're playing a mix of all of our songs and uh, some old-time radio stuff like uh, Martin and Lewis and Bob Hope and uh, Lux Radio Theater, which... This is the thing with Lux Radio Theater; they would take a popular movie, or uh, yeah, mostly a popular movie of the day, and just remake it with stars—not the same stars that were in the in the movie, but just other stars—and uh, re- remake it for the radio. So it's kind of cool. A lot of that stuff is uh, a lot of that stuff is is very cool with with very famous people in it. And so uh, that's our overnight stuff, our late night stuff. But right now, it's just a mix of music. And eventually, we plan on going on there live. Um, We have to work out when that's going to be. It's going to be soon, man. (sighs) Dave. I hope it is, but I don't know if if your schedule allows.
0: We'll see, man. You know, I'm a jet setter.
1: Okay, I don't know what you mean by that.
0: <laughs> well, late at night when you're sleeping, I go out jet-setting. You do? Yeah, it's amazing the things I do. What is that? I have a Cadillac and I go jet-setting.
1: You don't have a Cadillac? I
0: have a DeVille, a Cadillac DeVille. I keep it in the woods. Oh. It's a four-wheel drive Cadillac.
1: DeVille. Oh, all right. Well, I didn't realize. And I go
0: out at night, I have an eight-track player in there. Oh. I play songs by Mano de Bingo. Who's that? Uh, you look him up. Okay. Mano Da Bingo.
1: Excellent. I will.
0: And, uh, you know, uh, I carry a baseball bat in case someone gets a little randy. I might have to crack them over the head. Dave, there's literally... I have some dice hanging from my mirror.
1: Fuzzy dice?
0: They are fuzzy. Uh And I have a cologne smell in the car. Uh Oh. Man, it smells like cologne, and one of the seats is ripped. Oh. But it is red velour. I have red velour seats. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen.
1: Not Corinthian
0: leather? No, the back seat is buckets. And the front seat is a bench. I have a custom bench velour seat. Oh.
1: What color is the Deville?
0: It's gold. I got a gold Deville. I
1: didn't realize.
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds amazing. Spokes on the rims. The rims have spokes and all got white wall tires.
1: Those were a thing, weren't they? They are
0: a thing on my Deville. Yeah.
1: They aren't a thing anymore.
0: Well, come see my Deville in the woods and you'll see white walls. Okay. Wait, no, that's my prison.
1: Don't invite people into the woods. Come into my prison and you'll see white walls. All right.
0: Uh, I don't uh, have a Deville. It's all made up, it's nonsense.
1: You're nonsense.
0: I once had a Volvo.
1: You've many times had a Volvo. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Are you ready to end this? Yeah, man. All right, everyone. Well, this was episode number 98 of the Middle Age Cool Kids Super Terrific Podcast featuring your pals Dave and Shecky. We didn't do this in the the beginning. We were supposed to. Uh, This podcast is actually a bit late because of the new radio station. Um, I've been busy assembling music and uploading and trying to work on scheduling and just trying to figure out how Live 365 works. Uh, That's where we're hosting it currently. We may wind up hosting it ourselves eventually, but right now this is easy um, to just upload and program. And uh, if we want to take it further, then maybe we'll do it ourselves. But for right now, I think this is a good option. So, macradio.com. And of course, if you want to hear some of our past podcast episodes. you can head over to macpodcast.com. Also, Dave has been doing a ton of reaction videos to music. Those are on the Mac Podcast website as well or you can just find us on our YouTube channel uh, for Dave's reaction videos. But uh, some of those some of those uh, reactions, You're getting people who are pushing back a little bit. They don't like your reaction. I see. (laughs) Yeah, I You can't please everyone. All right. Uh, Anyway, this has been a lot of fun, and we will talk to you next time, America.
0: Soda jerk. Oh, God. (laughs) Mac Radio. Stand down and stand by.